How many of you in this room are 16 or older? 16 or older. All right. Nice. 16 or older. All right. Let me ask this question. Shh, shh. Don't miss the question. How many of you remember your first vehicle? Many of you are still on your first vehicle. I remember mine. Right. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about my first vehicle. My first vehicle was crazy. I love my first vehicle, but it was crazy. My first vehicle was probably the prettiest, nicest. I mean, my parents, they bought me the nicest vehicle that you could possibly buy when I turned 16. It was back in the 1990s. So I understand it's a little, some of y'all were just born. But, I mean, it was nice. It was really, really nice. Nice. I mean, there's something about this vehicle I will never, ever forget. It was literally one of the nicest vehicles I've ever owned in my life. And I loved it. I mean, I picked up dates on it. I took girls out on dates in my, it was a truck. I took girls out on dates in my truck, and I was so proud of it. Matter of fact, I think I got some pictures of it. Can we show a picture yet? Yeah, I got a picture. I'll show you a picture of my first. There it is. Huh? Listen, listen. I want you to get the full picture of this. This is a three-tone light blue. If you're feminine, you love that. Three-tone light blue Ford Ranger. It's a 1980 model. Listen, it had a four-cylinder in it, and only two of them worked. Okay, this was, this was not your ideal truck. I was on a date in this truck one time driving. I'm from Hot Springs, Arkansas, so if I sound like a redneck every now and then, you know what I'm talking about here. I'm driving down in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm on this bypass they have going around the town. I'm driving. Boom! Smoke comes out of my engine. I'm on a date. Like, I got this girl next to me. I'm, like, proud of my truck, and, uh, and I got this date next to me cruising in my Ford Ranger, 1981 Ford Ranger, cruising. It's really loud. And, and all the smoke comes out. I make her stick her head out her window. I stick my head out my window, and we just keep going. I mean, that was my truck, okay? This, this truck went to zero to 60. Never. It didn't make it to 60. If it made it to 60, it blew up. And literally every single weekend, I was in a ditch. Not stuck, not because I had a wreck, but because my truck broke down. And here's why it broke down. Let me show you the next picture. That right there is kind of hard to see. It's kind of blurry. That is my engine. Okay? It is a fuel-injected engine. You guys don't even know what that means. They stopped making fuel-injected engines before you were born. Okay? Uh, yeah, see, it's getting uglier. Leave the lights on, man. Don't, I mean, I've got to make my truck look good. The, uh, but my engine was bad, man. It was so bad. It broke down all the time. My truck was really messed up, and it had this noise about it. It was the loudest truck you've ever heard in your life. I mean, it's like, just, I mean, it was, whew, it was annoying. My neighbors would call my parents. They'd call my parents, and they would say, your son is driving way too fast down our street. My parents would just laugh at him. They'd say, no, he's not. That truck's just really loud, but that truck don't go fast. Yeah, I mean, it's slow. It's like a guaranteed no ticket, and I got like four of them in it. And so it's not a big deal, but, but that was my truck. Here's what I did. I got sick of driving that truck. You know why I got sick of driving that truck? Partly because it's three-tone light blue, and uh, that's just not me. But 
Another reason I got sick of driving that truck, because every weekend, I mean, the record service gave me a deal. That's how many times I got towed. And so it, it was just bad, and I got sick of that engine. So I bought a car. I bought a 19, or I, got, I bought a 2001 Honda Accord, and, and that's my car. I drive it today, okay? And in 2001, it's a pretty nice car. It's black. It's got leather. I mean, it's got the little wood stuff in it and whatever you call that. It, like, had the cool sound system in 01. We didn't have GPS and stuff back then. And so, you know, we didn't have Bluetooth, and we didn't have, like, plug your iPod in and all that stuff back in 01. I mean, that's a long time ago. And so, uh, so this was, like, back in the ancient of days, okay? And so I buy, my, I buy my car. You know what I loved about my car? Not one time. Not one time. It's got 105,000 miles on it sitting right out here in the parking lot. It's not been in the shop one time. Yeah! You know, that's exciting to me, man. I love it. Never been in the shop. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you this. Here's what I know to be true. I know this to be very, very, very true. Matter of fact, I, I, I would bet every dime I have. A lot of you in this room... You know what? I look out in this crowd, see a lot of 210 shirts. Some of you made like real cool big Wednesday shirts, and you guys are just freaking awesome. And, and you know what? Here's what I see in this crowd. I see a lot of good-looking people. Huh? A lot of good-looking people. Well, wait, 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 wait. Let me take that back. I see a couple good-looking people. Anyways, the, uh, just kidding, just kidding. We'll help you out. Our ministry will provide you somebody to help you with your beauty. But here's what I know to be true. I know this to be 100% true, students. I've been doing youth ministry a long time. I've been speaking to this many kids plus a lot more many, many times in my life. And here's what I know to be true of being with you. You know what? Because it's true with every adult. It's true with me. It's true in my family. And it's true with your family. And here's what's to be true is this. A lot of you are a lot like my car. Man, you look great on the outside. You look good. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But you know what? You look pretty good on the outside. You try to make yourself look good. You try to make people think that you're cool. You, you do all these kind of different deals. I call it doing the dance. We try to make ourselves look good. But you know what? On the inside, you're like an, it's like my truck's engine on the inside of this beautiful car. Now, if I put, if I put the engine of my truck into the engine of my car, you know what? That car might look good on the outside, but it does not matter. I could have a Ferrari. I could have a Porsche. I pass Porsches every day in this town. I could have me a Lexus. I could have me a Mercedes. I could have whatever I wanted. With the engine, with my truck, it would only be a broken down piece of junk, no matter how new or how great it is. Listen to me, students. Tonight, I want to challenge you. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this. Man looks at outward appearance, but God looks in the heart. You want to know why God looks in your heart? Let me tell you why. Because on the outside, we might look good, man. We got it together. We're popular. We're the captain. We're, we're this. We're that. We're the president of that club. We're, we're all this stuff at school. We've got it going on. We go home. We know how to manipulate our parents. Man, we got it going on. On the outside, we look great. But on the inside, man, there is pain. There's hurt. There's emptiness. There's a void in that life. 
I cannot count the number of times I've had teenagers sitting in my office crying and just really popular, good kids. They go, they've gone to church their whole life, sat in my office saying, Brian, something's missing. They look great on the outside, but on the inside they're hurting. Why do you think God looks on the inside? Because he knows on the inside, that's where he truly sees you. Out of the overflow of the heart, a passage says in the book of Matthew, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. What's going on on the inside? Here's what I, here's what I found to be true to the answer to some of those questions. Everybody in this room is on a search. We're on searches. Man, there's a reason we do a dance. There's a reason we go to our parents. And, and you guys know what it's like. Listen, you know what parent to go to when you want what. You know what I mean? You want somebody to spend a night? You know which one to go to, mom or dad. If you want to go to that party, you know which one to go to, mom or dad. You know who's going to say yes, and you know who's going to say no. And then you go back to your bedroom, you listen to them fight about it, and you're like, I won. You love it. But you know what? You know how to do that because you want their acceptance. So you're going to go who's going to say yes because we're all on a search for love and acceptance, all of us. Nobody walked into this room tonight and said, I pray somebody walks up to me and says, what's going on, fatty? Hey, loser, saw you at school today. You looked humiliating. If I was you, I'd shot myself. Anybody ever tell you how ugly you are? Because that hairstyle went out in like the 20s. I mean, you are dog ugly. You obviously didn't look in the mirror when you woke up this morning. Matter of fact, I've looked at your test papers at school. I've sat next to you in English class. You might not have known that. But I saw your F. Not only are you ugly, but you're stupid. You know what? Your parents don't even like you. You're an idiot. Okay, nobody walked into their hallways today. Thinking, nobody, none of you probably walked into the cafeteria and said, man, when I walk into the cafeteria, I hope I sit down at my cafeteria table. I hope everybody gets up and leaves because I'm so stupid. <laughs> none of you did that. You want to know why you did not do that? The same reason when I walk into your cafeteria, I wouldn't want it to happen to me. We all want to be accepted. All of us. But you know what we do? Let me show you what we do. Let's take these glasses or your life. Your lives are pretty clear, they're pretty clean, they're pretty good. Nothing wrong with your life. But then we get into this battle of acceptance, and we begin this journey of acceptance. And you know what? The journey's not always bad. It's not like we want to be losers, or I'm, I'm telling you to be a loser. But let's just take these Diet Cokes. I'm on a diet because my good figure's going away. And so I'm trying to get it all back. I know I'm pretty, still pretty good looking, but I'm trying to get it all back. So, so we're going to take, take my Diet Coke here. And let's say my Diet Coke represents, I don't know, let's say it represents a dating relationship. We want to be accepted. And acceptance, we want to get in a dating relationship. Is that bad? Is that wrong? No. There's nothing wrong with being in a dating relationship. But you know what? Sometimes it becomes a God. When it becomes a God, we add a little dating to our life. And it becomes what controls our life. We add a little bit to our life. Anything wrong with that? No. Until it takes the next step. It's acceptance. We want to be accepted. We get into sports. There's a lot of great athletes in this room. A lot of you could be playing Division I something one day. A lot of you could be in the pros doing something, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, cheerleading, this or that, whatever it is. A lot of you can make it. 
There's a lot of talent in Katy, Texas. This is a great place. But you know what? Sometimes you get into these sports, you want to be accepted so bad, you will sacrifice everything else in your life for that sport. You know what you do? You add a little of that to your life. And your life begins to fill up. Acceptance. We want to be accepted. You know what? Suicide rate goes up every year with teenagers. You know why? You want to know why? There's a lot of teenagers like you tonight sitting in their room contemplating whether they should pull the trigger, cut the wrist, or pop the pills. Acceptance. A lot of you girls in this room, you have an eating disorder today. Statistics would say a majority of you girls have an eating disorder. You know why? Acceptance. Statistics would say, listen to this, statistics would say that 85% of you guys are addicted to pornography. It's true. Now here's the deal. Listen. Listen. It's called maturity, people. Maturity. But listen to me. You want to know what it is? It's acceptance. The Internet's made acceptance easy. And all you're doing is adding it to your life. And here it comes. Now your life's beginning to overflow, man. You don't know what to do. All this stuff is acceptance. Jesus was at this party one time. Out of John chapter 7, verse 37. Jesus was at this feast. Man, everybody was at it. Everybody was at the feast. Everybody was at the party. And it says, on the last and greatest day of the feast. You want to know what Jesus did? Here's, and let me tell you why I think he did it. I think he began to look on the inside of people. He was at this party and he began to say, there's issues. They're struggling. So he stood. He didn't remain seated. Jesus wanted to be heard. So he stood. He didn't just stand, but he said it in a loud voice. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone's thirsty, you hearing me, people? If anyone is thirsty, yes, I'm talking to you. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me. He said it in a loud voice, let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, whoever puts their faith in me, whoever puts their trust in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. You want to know why I believe Jesus said that? Because he realized he was in a crowd a lot like this. Probably a lot of church people in that crowd. Probably a lot of people that were brought to that crowd by friends. Many of you were brought by friends tonight. And you know what? Jesus told a crowd a lot like this. Listen up! If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Why? Because Scripture says if you believe in me, that streams of living water will flow from within you. You need it. You're on a search for acceptance. You're doing the dance, man. You're trying to impress everyone. You walk in the cafeteria. You walk in to your lunchroom, on your MySpace, on your Facebook. You want to impress people. On instant message, you type words that you're hoping somebody will be impressed with. When you're on a date, you're doing things so that you can be impressed. You guys are in a locker room. What do you do in the locker room after your date? You brag a little bit further than what you went on that date. Why? Because you want to impress people. You want it. We want to be accepted, man. We want it. Listen, I want to be accepted. I don't want to stand before you today and you look at me and say, man, he is a loser. I don't want, I want acceptance. So do we. The question is, are we going to God for acceptance or are we going to the world? Because when we go to the world, 
this is what we get. We go for acceptance, and then on top of acceptance, we say we want to be loved. Everybody wants to be loved. None of us do not want to be loved. You know, when I fell in love with my wife, Jennifer, some, many of you know Jennifer. Some of you do not know her yet. When I fell in love with my, li with my life, I'm a very arrogant young man. When I fell in love with my wife, it's real complicated. The, uh, when, when we'd known each other for three years, I'm going to tell a long story short. When I fell in love with her, the, uh, she hated me. I mean, hated. Because I kind of built this reputation, and I'm really not this way, but I kind of built a reputation, and I'm not going to go all into it because I don't want to glorify all the sin that I live. But, uh, but I kind of had a reputation of being what some people call a player. You know, you date one girl, ditch her, date the next, ditch her, date her next, ditch her, next, her. You just get bored, you know what I'm saying, guys? And so you got to move on. And, uh, and so that was me. Just kidding. You guys in a relationship, y'all ignore that. You guys in my world, high five. And, and so, but that was me. So I began to date these people. When I got in college, I was doing the same thing, and, and, and it was a lot of fun, and, and I got to go out on a lot of dates and have a good time with a lot of different girls, and who knows, I never had to be committed. I started dating one particular girl, one particular girl who became psycho. Anybody know any of those? And, and so anyways, the, so I began to date this one particular girl, I dated her for about six months, which was a long, stinking time for me, guys, okay? Six months is like 12 years, and it was a long time, and I was ready to break up. She went psycho, and so I got a dish her, but she, like, hauled me off in her car, and I thought she was going to shoot me, and yeah, it's a long story, but I was freaked out. Well, I moved back to a town in Springdale, Arkansas, where I was working at a great church in Springdale, and we had a, a great youth ministry, ran about a thousand kids, and, and, I mean, God was doing some big things, and... I had, I was, I'd let, help with our ninth grade a lot, and we had about a, 115 ninth graders, and I'd have about 40 of them over my house once a week. I just lived in this piece of junk house. I mean, it was a dump. Skunks lived underneath it, and like wasps lived in it, and I mean, it, it was, it was gross. I mean, like we never cleaned, and we like had a water fight inside our house one time. We're bringing them water hoses and stuff. It was great. But it was just a bunch of bachelor guys, and we didn't care. We worked 24-7. We were working all night and everything else, and didn't care about our house. But I'm hanging at my house with all these ninth-grade boys. Well, it just so happened that my wife, Jennifer, hooked up with this girl who, I, you know, we were broke up, but we we're still friends. We we're kind of talking. But I'd also start talking to my wife. See where it's going? And uh, soon-to-be wife. And I was, you know, I was trying to smooth her and, and, you know, which I'm hard to resist. I mean, I'm a pretty good looking dude, and so I'm, I'm pretty hard to resist. And so, so I call her, and she's like, I'm moving back to town if he's calling me. And, uh, and I say, you, know, you really don't have to go that drastic. I mean, you just, you know, just calm down. I know I'm irresistible, but you know what, calm down. And, and so we, uh, we talk on the phone, and she hooks up with this girl, and this girl tells her a bunch of stuff that I've been saying to her. And Jennifer goes, he's been telling me the same thing. They go, let's go confront him. They come to my house. I'm playing PlayStation, a bunch of ninth grade boys. They, they come over all the time. So they sit on my couch. This girl looks at me. She goes, we need to talk. I said, talk? Right now. And uh, she goes, not in here, in there. She pointed to the bedroom. Like, I don't go to bedrooms alone with my girls. And uh, so, <clears throat> just kidding, I didn't say that. And so, so, me, her, and Jennifer, we walk into the bedroom. 
My wife now, my wife never, didn't really say anything. She was just furious at me. And she thought I was lying. And this girl began to talk. And she said one thing after another, just badgering me. So I finally just got ticked off. I said, screw both of you. And, or the heck with both, whatever you're supposed to say. And I said, forget it. And uh, y'all forgive that. And, and so I tell them that. And here's what I said. I looked at them both. And I said, you know what? If I were you, if I call you ever again, I'd never answer the phone. I'd switch churches if I were you. I wouldn't talk to me. I wouldn't look at me. I wouldn't speak to me. I wouldn't talk to people that know me. If I was you, I'd get out of my life for an eternity. And when I call you, hang up. Hit ignore. But just X me out of your life forever. We're done here. My wife, she left. She was ticked. And she wasn't my wife at the time. But, but she left. And uh, a few days later, I realized, oh gosh, I messed up. I'm in love with this girl, and I knew I, was, I knew I was going to marry her. So make a long story short, I had to pursue her. We fell in love, and, and we're madly in love today, man. I love my wife. I love my kids. I got a little girl named McKenna. I think I got a picture of her, and, uh, and, and you can see her. Do we have a picture of McKenna? We, we don't have pi- Yeah, there she is. Look at her. That's my little girl, huh? Her little teddy bear, my little girl. It's her. It's McKenna. Now, I got a little boy named Parker. He's known as the biter. Look at him. He's doing that soldier boy dance. And, uh, and man, he's got it going on. It's tight. But it's my little boy. He now bites every kid in the nursery, and he pushes them and hits them and pulls their hair. So, like, my kid's a bully. So I got that kid. And, uh, but that's him, man. He, he's, he's a freaking stud. And so I, I love him. I mean, he's huge, but he's a stud. And so... He'll be, he'll be knocking heads. and fo- I've already signed him up for varsity football, so you boys at Katie better watch out because he'll be taking your place here next semester. And, uh, and that boy right there, I mean, he's coming live. Of course, you don't have football next semester, so you're safe. But, but if you did, you'd be in trouble because him. I signed him up for baseball. Take that, baseball boy. He'll be hitting home runs. But you know what? I love my kids, man. I love my family. I love them. If any of you ever did anything to my kids, I would come unglued. I would be furious. I would call everybody I know to come unglued on you. Because there's something in me. I just love my kids. I love my family. I love them. But let me say this, students. There's no amount of love I can show my family. No amount of love. Like our God showed us. I want ounce. Because our God takes our life like this, man. And, and all we're doing, all we're doing is pouring stuff in. That's what we're doing. God says, I love you. We're pouring in it. He says, I love you enough to die on a cross. We're pouring in it. I love you enough to do whatever you want. All you got to do is turn from your sin and accept me. We just keep pouring. He says, listen, I will lay over a banner, over a bar, and I will stretch out, and I'll let them put a cat in our tails, and I'll let them swing and pull, swing and pull, swing and pull, and rip all my skin off for you. We just keep pouring. We're empty, man. He says, fine, I'll let him take all this blood and so much blood and so much flesh came from his body that day on the, while he was being crucified. So much blood and his body you could see through him. And at that point, they put this robe on his back and the robe begins to stick to his back on his journey up to, to the mountain. 
and as a rope sticks to his back and all that blood dries, they get on top of the mountain and they grab that rope and they jerk it off his back and all the wounds are reopened. They throw him on a cross. They nail his hands in. They nail his feet in. Why? Because he knows we're just pouring. We're just pouring. And we're empty. We're empty. And he says, I love you. Yet, we're full. We're full of junk. He says, listen, man, if you are thirsty, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how it's gone in your life. You know what? I love you. If you'll just come to me and drink, listen, streams of living water will flow through you. If you'll just accept me, I will take you where you want to go. But listen, you've got to stop filling your life. We literally take our lives and we take it and we shatter it all over the place. And that's our life. Our life is shattered. It's simply little pieces. This is our life now. It's nothing. It's empty. Our life is sheer broken glass. And let me tell you, students, this is where a lot of you sit. This is where a lot of you are tonight. You're broken. And you know what? God says, that's okay. Come to me broken. Come to me just the way you are. In my time in Arkansas, I spent a lot of time in prisons. I hung out with a bunch of prisoners through prison ministry. I met a lot of men that did a lot worse stuff than you. And you know what I watched happen in their life? I watched a God step into their life and begin to clean it out. And he kept cleaning. Sometimes it takes a long time to clean, but you know what? Our God will never give up. He'll never give up. He'll just keep cleaning. He'll keep cleaning. He'll keep cleaning. He'll say, you just come to me. Let me clean. You don't clean yourself up. You come to me. And then you're clean again. He puts you back together the way he wants you. Not the way you want yourself. It's not you fighting for acceptance, students, through everybody else. Man, it's through our God. I don't know how to communicate better than tell you that our God loves you more than any body on the planet. Some of you have a hard time with love because you don't get it from home. Some of you, your dads don't love you, your parents don't love you, and it hurts. Let God clean you up. He loves you. He loves you with all of his heart. And all it takes for you, many of you have done this in the room tonight, some of you have not, but all it takes for you is to say yes to God and accept it. He said, I'll do it all for you, man. I will give it all for you. All you have to do is say yes, receive it. You know what? I carry the iPhone. It's a pretty cool phone. I like it a lot. My daughter's learned how to use it now. She always comes up to me and says, Daddy, can I play with the iPhone? You know, it's a pretty cool phone. But if I wanted to give this, tell me your name. Chris? Chris, if I wanted to give you the iPhone, I'm going to pay for it my whole life. I'll pay for it. I want you to have the iPhone. It's yours, man. You got a gift. You now have an iPhone. Just kidding, man. Give me back my iPhone. <laughs> hey, but you know what? Everybody in this room was saying, I wish I was Chris. Because I can give you the coolest phone out, and you're begging for it. 
in a few minutes, we're going to give away several hundred dollars, literally $1,100 worth of gifts. And a lot of you came for those gifts. We're giving away four or five $100 gifts, a Wii, an iPod Touch, all this stuff. You might have came for that. If I would have gave you an iPhone today, you would have said, I want it. Give it to me. You want me to rig it for you? You want this? You want that? You want the gifts. But if I sit here and say, listen, I got a free gift and everybody can have it. And it's a gift that a God laid naked on a tree for you and for me and that he loved us so, so, so much that he would do anything for you. Matter of fact, he said, if you will just come to me, just come, just come and believe in me as scripture has said, accept me as scripture has said, and then streams of living water will flow from within you and for an eternity your life will be changed. For an eternity, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if you are in Christ, you're a new creation, man. The old is gone, the new has come. God's done something different in you. All it takes is one moment for you to pray a prayer and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. 